Good morning and welcome to worship today at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here and it's great to be with you all. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to creating, to creating hope and to creating belonging, a sense of belonging for you by connecting you with a life renewed by Jesus and deeply committed to other folks. And so my hope for you today is that you feel that. You feel that sense of belonging. You feel that sense of hope as, as we go to worship God together. Let us, now, uh, let us now go to God in prayer. God, thank You for this day. Thank You for the way that You invite us to, to worship You, to, to, ser- to serve with You. I pray that You are blessed by our worship, that You are, are the One who is lifted high and that Your Spirit is full of love and grace. Thank You, O oh God. Help each one of us who is worshiping You today have open hearts to hear whatever you desire. Amen. So I know that I'm a, a preacher. That's kind of like evident, I guess, because I'm up here. But sometimes I wonder if what I have to say or if my story even matters or if I'm talking to anybody other than myself in the back wall or, or the lens of the camera. And I, you know, I don't say this to create self-pity at all. Um, what I mean is that I, I look at my life and then I compare it to other people. And sometimes I just look at my life and you know, it looks kind of rather boring or, or or mundane. Well, what do I have to talk about? I could talk about uh, a barbecue and charcoal and grilling, and, and that, that entertains uh, me, um, but then I know that that gets boring for most. Um, or, you know, I could talk about having a bunch of kids, and, 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 and that creates a lot of interesting things in life, but I'm not going to talk about my kids because that's not fair to them. And, and then, you know, I, I think about are all these things really all that interesting? I know my wife sometimes sometimes pays the price for this because people often assume that if they tell me something, I'm going to go home and tell her. I don't do this. Um, mostly this is probably good because it means that, that if you've got something you want to keep under wraps and you tell me, um, I, I'm not going to like spill the beans. And it's, and it's not that I, I'm necessarily doing that out of like a proactive thing. It's that I, I don't think to tell anybody else. You know, I pray about things and I'll think about you, but I don't think about uh, telling anyone else. But sometimes, you know, I, I, this probably puts her in a position because sometimes I, I'm supposed to tell my spouse, or it's at least assumed that I'm going to tell her something. And then people will ask her, well, do you know about of course she doesn't know about because she's married to the preacher. And, and the last person to get their house painted is the painter. And the last person to have their plumbing updated is the plumber. And, and perhaps the last person to know about church stuff is the pastor's family. I, you know, I've never said a word about it. So I guess you know, if, you, if you want to tell me something, then you want to keep it under wraps, that's a good thing. But even though I work very hard each week to, to try to help other people, to try to help connect people to a sense of hope and belonging through the resurrection and through a life with God, sometimes I wonder if the way that I tell the story or if my story is relevant or even worth telling. Now, while some of you may be really good at telling stories or, or spinning yarns, you know, I know that I'm not the only one that struggles with this, that struggles with worrying if your story is worth telling. 
If you were listening to Chris's prayer just a a few moments ago, this was what he was praying about, realizing that that some of our stories, some of your stories, may feel as if they're insignificant in the the scheme of life. And and maybe you're like me and and just living your life, and, and you kind of think that that your life is a little boring perhaps, or you worry if, uh, if what you say would really matter to anyone else other than yourself. You worry if perhaps that you have anything meaningful to say to help other people. Now, maybe you even struggle with, with just talking to your spouse or, or a parent or a friend or a, a child about your life because you're not sure. You're not sure if you even have anything interesting to say. So, of course, you talk about the weather or whatever other filler conversation comes into play. But maybe, you know, this is why a lot of us end up going home and at the end of the day, staring down at a device, looking at the lives of other people caught in the scroll of of other people's lives who are much more interesting than mine or yours. They're they're really not more interesting. They're just, that's the way they're putting themselves out there to look more interesting. But, But they probably are struggling with the same things because you assume that what you have to say might not really matter after all. And so you don't say it. And you spend time looking for news or looking for other people to share, to see what they have to say, to fill in your life. And if this is something that you have ever worried about or you have ever struggled with, I want you to know that you are not alone. You are not the first to have struggled with this. The good news is that God knows that people struggle with this. God knows that, that people struggle with insecurities and, and anxieties as it relates to sharing things. Sometimes it has to do with just standing up and, and speaking in, in, in front of people. But oftentimes it has to do with, with, you know, is my story significant enough? Or am I good enough? Or do I have the kind of experience in life that really matters to help someone else? And God knows that people like you struggle with this. One of the last things that that Jesus did is that He addressed this very same thing with His followers, with those that were closest to Him. You see, Christians believe that that Jesus was killed and that that He was killed on a cross. And then He rose from the dead on on Easter morning. And then after a few weeks, he He was taken up into the heavens He ascended into the heavens. In fact, many Christian churches commemorate today as Ascension Sunday. The the day that that is, is marked, that was the time that Jesus left His followers, not in death, but left His followers to reside with God in the heavens. And one of the last things that Jesus did is that He addressed this very same thing with His followers. On that day before Jesus was taken up to the heavens, Jesus shared with them a message that provided hope in a sense that their story really mattered. Between the time that Jesus rose from the dead and was taken into heaven, you see, He was pretty active. He was doing a lot of things. And if you have a Bible and want to follow along with me, I'm going to be looking at the book of Acts. And if you don't know about the, know like really how the Bible is structured, the book of Acts 
is the fifth book in the New Testament. So the New Testament is the time beginning with Jesus' birth and tells the story of, of the church and helps to encourage the Christian church. And the book of Acts, most of it takes place after Jesus' life, and it's really the foundational stories of the church that you find in the book of Acts. So if you want to learn about the early church and, and how the early church was organized and how God was working in the life of the early church, read the book of Acts because it, it shares this, this origin story of the church. And so in Acts chapter 1, the very first part of Acts, you can read about what Jesus did between the time that He rose from the dead and the time that He was taken into heaven. And that's what I'm going to share with you this morning in Acts chapter 1, beginning in the second part of verse 2. Here we find this. That before Jesus was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles He had chosen. Now, the word apostle is kind of a funny church word. Um, these people that, that, this is his followers. So these are the people that were his disciples, Jesus' closest followers. They aren't really apostles yet. Apostle is a word that, that means someone who brings Christ to other people. And so, so Jesus is talking about these apostles. These are later going to be people who will be apostles, taking Jesus to other people. Right now, they're just followers of Jesus who are about to like, not know what to do. Anyways, so in verse 3, after Jesus' suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. Basically, Jesus just spent the time between Easter and uh, Ascension Day, the day that he rose, uh, went to, the, to be with God in the heavens. He just spent this, these several weeks hanging out with his followers and teaching them. He wanted to teach them the last things that he had to give them. You know, we had graduations, or this is season of graduation, and we have commencement speakers who will get up there and, and share the things, the last things they want their, their followers or their, the, the students to know. And that's kind of what Jesus is doing. Um, and, and he is sharing with them the last things that he wants them to know. And, and he, he, this is something that, that it takes people kind of a while to get. Um, and so Jesus is trying to make sure they really understand things. Because, you know, you, we're simple folks, and, and, and those were simple folks, and sometimes you just tell them something one time, they're not going to get it. So you have to tell them again and again, and that's what Jesus is trying to do here. And then Jesus tells them, okay, guys, you need to hold tight. You just need to hang on for a little bit, wait for a little bit, because God is going to send you the Holy Spirit. And this, his, his followers get excited about this in verse 6, where we read this. As a result, those who had gathered together asked, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Now to this, Jesus was just like, um, you're not listening to what I've been telling you for the past years and months and weeks. You're not really listening to me yet, and the time is growing short. So listen up for this last thing I want to tell you. He slows down. Do you ever need people to slow down and explain things to you? He slows down just a little bit and, 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 and explains one more time in verse 7. And Jesus, where it says, Jesus replied, it isn't for you, it isn't for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has set by His authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus' followers want him to launch some type of, of military action to restore a political kingdom. That's what's going on. The, the, Jesus' followers, the people that are, the, the Jews that are living in the, the, the region of Palestine, are living under Roman rule. And so most of, there was always, you know, some upstart that was going to come around and, and lead some type of military rebellion against the Roman emperor. And, and I think that Jesus' followers always kind of assumed that that's what Jesus was going to do. I mean, we find that again and again if you read, read the stories about Jesus, that Jesus' followers had been told their whole lives and assumed that one day would come when the kingdom of Israel would become great again, would become, maybe that's a loaded term to use, but anyways, the kingdom of Israel would rise up and, 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 be, and be a great kingdom in, on the world stage. And so here they are at the final thing. Jesus has said, I'm about to leave again or something's about to happen and there's going to be power. And so they say, okay, enough playing around. Is it time to do the politics thing? Is it time to do the new kingdom thing? And, and, and Jesus just kind of waves them off. And he's like, you know, if God is going to do something political, if God is going to get involved with politics, you don't need to worry yourself about this, Okay. You, you don't need to worry yourself about this. Instead, what I want you to do is I want you to receive the power of God's Spirit and then to be witnesses to the goodness of God in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want you to know that when you read this in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, this is basically a way of saying everywhere. I want you to be my witnesses everywhere. Okay, Jerusalem, this is the capital. This is where these people are at the time. So he wants them to be his witnesses at home. He wants them to be the witnesses in Judea. So Judea is the greater region, the greater kind of region of, of Roman region of Palestine. And so he wants them to be the witnesses throughout the state, throughout the wider region. And Samaria, and this is Samaria's kind of like enemy territory. So the Jews and Samaritans don't get, around, get along very well. And so Jesus says, I want you to also be my, my witnesses in Samaria with people that aren't really like you and people that um, you kind of don't really like. And then he also says to the ends of the earth, around the world. Now it's likely, uh, so basically what Jesus is saying is, I want you to be my witnesses everywhere, at home, across the street, and around the world. And it's likely that you're familiar with this term witness through, through a legal proceedings. I mean, this is a, a legal word that, that we think about. You think about how you might consider eyewitness testimony. Or you're watching Law and Order or some other legal drama and people get brought up on the witness stand to have to testify to something that they've seen or witnessed or are a party to. And in the Bible, you need to know that the term witness really does basically have the same meaning. It's a legal, it's a judicial term that was originally applied to someone who had personal knowledge about something and could speak about it in court. Now Jesus is not telling his followers that he wants them to go to all these places and be witnesses in a courtroom. 
Now, some of them will, have, will be tried. They'll be tried for their beliefs, and they'll eventually, eventually be imprisoned, and, and many of them will eventually be killed. But Jesus is not telling his followers that you need to go be witnesses in a courtroom. Instead, he's using this language metaphorically. He's using the power, the rich language, this judicial language of being a witness and using it metaphorically. And as he's doing so, he's drawing on a deep biblical tradition that's found in the Old Testament where the whole nation of Israel, so like all the Jewish people, were supposed to be God's witnesses to the world. And here Jesus is saying, now it's your turn. It's your turn, followers of Jesus, to be my witnesses. So here Jesus is saying, you are my followers. You know me, so I want you to go and to bear witness about me. In other words, Jesus is is saying, I want you to go tell other people about what you have experienced. Jesus wants his followers to tell their story to tell their stories about what they have experienced. These are people that have stood kind of in the background during Jesus' life. I mean, these are his followers. They're not his leaders. These are his followers who, who have been following after him for months or even years, and, and, and they have been in the background in a lot of ways. But now Jesus say, is saying, it's your turn. It's your turn. It's your turn to step up. It's your turn to do something new. It's your turn, followers of me, to tell the story that God is giving you. Jesus said, you've seen the great things of God. They know that they've seen the miracles that Jesus performed. They know that they've seen the feedings. They know that they've seen the goodness of God and experienced it in their own life. And Jesus says, now you... Now you go tell people about it. Jesus says, God has a story for you to tell. But you know, I'm not so sure that they really believed it. I'm not so sure that they really believed it. Maybe they were a little like like me and maybe some of you, and, and, and they just weren't sure if what they had to say would be enough that they didn't know if they could really teach a Sunday school class or, 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 or share their testimony with someone else because their story and their training isn't formal. They didn't, they didn't come from God necessarily. They didn't have a, a special training or, or kind of any special lens. So they weren't sure if they had enough. And, and the reason that I'm kind of thinking about this is what happens in, in the very next verse in, in verse 9. Uh, after Jesus said these things, we, we read, uh, after he said, God has a story for you to tell, and as they were watching, he was lifted up to a cloud, or he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So Jesus is lifted up, a cloud takes them out of their sight, and while he was going away, and as they were staring towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. And they said, Galileans? Why are you standing here looking towards heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. You see, Jesus told them that God has a story for them to tell. That God has a story for them to tell. But then something happens and they are kind of left dumbfounded. I mean, Jesus starts to leave and and these followers of Jesus are just left staring with their jaws open, 
dumbfounded at what's happening in front of them. They've just been told to go and tell people, but yet they're just left staring up at the heavens. And I think I'm blinded by the lights now, but they're just staring up at the heavens and and they're like, what's going on? What now? I mean, jaws to the ground. So much so that there's some some like some other people that that we you know kind of think are, are angels or God's messengers that are that are there and and they say, what are you staring at? Why are you just looking up to heaven? Like that's you know that's not going to do you any good, any good. They have a job to do. This whole telling their story thing wasn't the most natural thing for them to do. They followed Jesus because Jesus had a compelling story, but they never intended to be the one to tell the story. But now it's their turn. Now it's their turn. And maybe you are a follower of Jesus just like these first followers, and and you followed Him your whole life You've listened to preachers. You've gone to Sunday school. You, you, you know what it's like to follow. But, but have you ever told your story? If I came to you and, and said, hey, 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 you have a story. Hey, will you tell your story today? What would you say? If, if I came to you and used Jesus' language and said, will, will you be a witness today to the good things of God in your life? What, what would you say? And maybe you, you fear public speaking a little bit, or, or maybe you just don't think that what you have to say really matters all that much. Maybe you think people telling you about the life-renewing work of Jesus, that this is something for preachers and teachers to do, but it's just, it's just really not for you. Regardless of where you have been, though, God has a story for you to tell your story and what you have to say about God is something that, that no one else can share. And, and your story might be the story that God could use to someone else. Your story about God might be the story that someone else needs to hear. I think back about Jesus telling His followers to be witnesses to the end of the earth. And you know, Jesus influenced a lot of people while he was living. He, he healed a lot of people. He, he fed a lot of people. He shared the good news of, of God's love with a lot of people. But the thing you have to understand is that his ministry and his witnessing to the goodness of God was confined to a specific region in the ancient world. It was confined really to the region of Galilee and then somewhat in Jerusalem, this region in Palestine about 2,000 years ago. And so while Jesus, all of his life and all of his ministry was confined to a specific time and a specific place, but his vision for blessing others was far beyond this, was far beyond the, the physical location and the time location. And he knew that his followers would ultimately have a larger impact than his initial ministry would have. Jesus said he wanted his followers to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. To be witnesses to the stories of God at home, across the street, and around the world. And this, none of this would have been possible if, if Jesus alone was the one telling his story and, and sharing about God. You are unique. Your story is unique. And your story might be the only story of God that someone else is able to hear. 
You have something unique in your story that, that God is inviting you to tell, and you might not even realize it yet, but you do. And that something unique might just be the thing that someone else needs to hear to experience the goodness of God in their life. You know, maybe you have a coworker that's that's really struggling, and and, and perhaps this this coworker is struggling on the inside, and nobody really knows that that she is struggling. Uh, but perhaps they are waiting for for someone like you, someone like you with your own insight, with your own story, that that will take the time to share it with them. And as you share your story, you might just open up hope and open up healing in their life, or, or maybe. Maybe God's love in your life has shaped you in a specific way that young people, that, that youth, the, the youth especially of our church, need to hear. For, for the past two weeks, I've, been, I've, invited, I've invited you to invest in the lives of, of our young people. And maybe you have heard this call and you thought, you know, this just isn't for me. But also, also maybe you have heard Jesus' invitation to to be a witness to God by sharing your story with the world. And you have a story that can make the difference in the life of a young person, in the life of our young people. And so today, I want, I want you to take a step and to accept Jesus' invitation to tell your story by investing in the lives of our young people. And if you want to do that, you can talk to me after worship. There's a, there's a volunteer form you can fill out by scanning the code in the bulletin. And, and, and I will be in touch with you this week if you do that, and we can talk about what that, what that means and how God could use you. Or maybe you're hesitant to tell your story. Maybe you're hesitant to, to tell your story, and you may not struggle with wondering whether or not you have a story to tell, but you may realize that you do have a story. You may realize that you do have a story, but you're just not sure you want anyone to know it. Because maybe it's a little painful for you. It was a little painful in your life. And I want you to know that I am not suggesting that you share something that is going to cause trauma in your life. I want to be very clear about that. If there's something in your life that is part of your story that's going to cause trauma by you sharing about it, do not, do not bring that up without talking to, to, to somebody and working through some of that. But sometimes the very act of sharing your story can begin to bring hope, and healing in your own life. You see, regardless of who you are, God has a story for you to tell. And if you aren't sure about Jesus and you aren't yet a Christian, I believe that if you open your heart that God has a story for you as well. You might just be the person that God is working on who has a specific story that someone else just needs to hear. So here's the deal. Telling your story is powerful. There is power in your story. And this is something that Jesus realized when He told His followers, you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and around the world. I mean, imagine what it would be like for everyone at, at Kern Church to really take this to heart. To take this to heart and to begin sharing with other people. To be witnesses at your home. To be witnesses across the street and to be witnesses around the world. Imagine the impact that could happen if each of you and me opened our hearts to others and began telling our stories. In reality, if you're a person of faith, you are here because someone told you the story. 
You are here because someone told you their story. And there is so much power in this. Imagine what it would be like if, if each of you lived this not just once, but lived this in all areas of your life with everyone you encounter. When I think about the, the power of the followers of Jesus uh, beginning to tell stories, being called and equipped to tell their stories, I'm inspired by the story of Catherine Hankey. Catherine lived in, in England at the latter part of the 19th century. And, and as a teenager, she discovered that God had something for her to tell. You see, she thought, taught a children's Sunday school class even as a teenager. Later on, at the age of 30, she grew severely ill and became bedridden. And, and this was, this, she was bedridden for many, many years, in fact. And, and at such a young age, she might have taken this as a sign that, that God was finished with her, that she no longer had a, a story to tell. But during her sickness and, and during the time of her eventual recovery, she took the time to reflect on God. Reflect on how God might be using her to bless someone else. And she published a long poem in, in two sections. Originally, this poem was, was known as The Story Wanted and then The Story Told. But this poem would later be captured in the beloved old church song, I Love to Tell the Story. Maybe you know this song, I Love to Tell the Story. I'm going to invite the band if y'all want to come begin coming back up here. And as, as if she was directly cha channeling Jesus' words to be a witness, even from her sickbed, right? Even when, when many would assume that she had nothing left to tell, Catherine would, would write, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. Even from her sickbed, she was writing, I love to tell the story because I know tis true to satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. And she goes on to share the reason why she loves to tell the story. And that it's important to tell the story that God has given you, she writes, for some have never heard. Some have never heard the message of God's salvation, the message of His love. She knew that even from her sickbed, when many would think her story was over, that she had something to tell. And as someone who was not sure if she would recover from her sickness, from her illness, the refrain from this song is so powerful, for it speaks of her ultimate hope. Her ultimate hope in serving as a witness to God's goodness. It says, I love to tell the story. It will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. God had a story for Catherine to tell. God had a story for Jesus' first followers to tell. And God has a story for you to tell. God has a story for you to tell that someone needs to hear. Lord, I thank You I thank You for the stories that You have shared with others. I thank You for the stories that have been passed from generation to generation. And I pray right now that You just open the hearts of each one who is here and help them to sing of and hear of the story You have for them to tell and to take the time to share it. To share it with others. Amen.
Dear ones, God has a story for you to tell. May you receive it in your heart and may you be empowered to tell it with others. Go forth with the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May you be blessed this day as you go to tell your story. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.